Let's continue. Key point number two. Key point number two is this. It's hard to share the gospel if you're cliquish. It's hard to share the gospel if you're cliquish. Cooperation is needed. Look at verses 49 and 50. Now, John answered and said, uh, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Now, we'll pause there just for a moment. The disciples, they didn't stop this guy because he was teaching some false doctrine. They didn't stop him because they were like, oh, that's heresy. You know, he's teaching something that's wrong. We need to put a stop to that. He's, we need to correct that. They didn't put a stop to him because he was doing something in the name of a false god. Why did they stop him? I mean, let's think about it. This guy was doing what? He was ministering to people in Jesus' name. He was even, he was ministering to people in the name of Jesus. And the disciples were like, we stopped him. We put a stop to that. But why? He said, they say it right here. Because he does not follow with us. You know what the disciples were doing? They were making themselves the standard. They were like, we're the standard. You know, if you're going to do this, you have, to be, you have to be in our little group. You have to be in our group. If you're not part of our group, then you're not really following Jesus, even though, even though you're out there ministering to people and casting out demons. And apparently this guy was successful. He was doing that very thing. He was doing it in Jesus' name, but they put a stop to it. They stopped him because he does not follow with us. You know, when the disciples made themselves the standard, you know what they were doing? They were doing the exact same thing that the Pharisees do. You know what the Pharisees do? The Pharisees come along and do what? They say, um, hey, Jesus, you know, we noticed that your disciples uh, out here, you know, working on the Sabbath, and they, they, were, they were rubbing some grain in their hand, and that's forbidden. We don't do that. We don't do that. Why aren't you not following us in our pattern? Why aren't you looking to us and seeing how you're supposed to act and your disciples are? We and our disciples, we do it this way, and you're not doing it that way. What were the Pharisees doing? They were saying, we're the standard. The Pharisees were saying, we're the ones that you, you look to us to get how you're supposed to be behaving. And now what are the disciples doing? The disciples are looking to a man who is ministering in Jesus' name, and they made themselves the standard, not Jesus, why? Because if Jesus was the standard, then this guy was, was already doing what he should do because he was ministering in Jesus' name. He was casting out demons in Jesus. Jesus was the focus of what this guy was doing. Jesus was the focus. But the disciples made themselves, they stepped in. Keep in mind they're prideful. Keep in mind they're talking about who's the greatest. They're overlooking the fact that Jesus is the greatest. And they step in and make themselves the standard. And they overlook the fact they are not the standard. They have become cliquish. They have become us four and no more. They have become this little group of people that they're thinking they have to follow with us. Again, there are distinctions. And there would be a right and an appropriate time for, to put a stop to someone. If he had been preaching some heresy about who Jesus was, or if he was doing something uh, in, a, in the name of a false god and, and associating, and, but, but that's not what it seems to be. In fact, it is, it's clear that the reason is because he does not follow with us. You know, cliques, 
Not all clicks are bad. Uh, clicks are just ways of identification. Clicks become a problem when our attitude toward those outside of our cliques or groups become a, viewed as the enemy, viewed as that's the outsider. We, we are the, you know, you, 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 when you become inward focused and everybody outside of that group becomes the opposition, becomes the enemy, then that's problem. There's really nothing wrong with belonging to a particular people group. We, we belong to several. But our culture likes to pit them against each other. Consider some of these. We have men and women. We have gender cliques, if you will. We have black and white. We have ethnic cliques, if you will. We have reformed and Arminian. We have theological cliques. Democrat, Republican, political cliques. Young versus old, generational cliques. Rich versus poor, social class cliques. Urban versus rural, community cliques. Chances are you belong to one of those groups. As I go through, you're in one group or the other. But the problem is when you start saying this group is, is better than this group for whatever reason, and you start pitting against each other. So the groups themselves are not the problem. It's not, it's not a problem to be a man. It's not a problem to be a woman. You fall into one of those groups. But when you start thinking of the other as the enemy or you start thinking of someone else uh, as the opposition, that's when it becomes sinful. Here's where we really run into trouble. When your attitude is, I'm only interested in associating with people who are within my little group. That's when we run into trouble. In other words, I, I only want to associate with people who have the same skin color that I do. Or I only want to associate with people who have the same political views that I do. Or I only want to associate with people who belong to the same social class that I do. I only want to associate with people who fill in the blank, fit into my groups. But let me ask you this question. Of all those cliques that I mentioned, all those different groups that I mentioned, did Jesus come to save one over the other? No. Did At any point did he say, you know what? I'm coming to save the Jews, but not the Gentiles. No. He said, I come for the, the Jews first and the Gentiles also. Did he come at any point and say, you know what? I'm just coming to save men, but not the women. No. He didn't say that. Did at any point he say, I'm only coming to, to save the Republican Party? No. Does that mean, what? What? That these divisions that we make, when sin gets involved, that's the problem. Our attitude becomes, we see everything that's not within our particular worldview, within our particular circles of influence as the enemy. But the gospel doesn't discriminate. The gospel actually removes those barriers. We see it in Galatians 3.28. Here's what it says. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible is not saying that those groups don't exist. It's not saying that there's no such thing as Jews. It's not saying that there's no such thing as Gentiles, is it? I mean, that would be ridiculous. What are they saying? It's, it, it, of course those things exist. It is saying that the gospel is for everyone. 
everyone. No matter what groups you belong to, the gospel is for you. The gospel is for everyone. There's an old hymn, an old hymn called The Ground is Level. Here's what it declares. The ground is level. It begins this way. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Anyone may come. Anyone may come there, for there is no cost. Rich man or poor man, bonded or free, the ground was leveled that day at Calvary. Listen, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground's level there. It doesn't matter what political party you belong to. It doesn't matter what ethnic background you belong to. It doesn't matter what gender you belong to. Every single one of those categories that we belong to and those things in and of themselves can be good things. But the gospel doesn't discriminate, makes no recognition of those and says the gospel is for you. The gospel is for you. Now, where does the gospel make distinction? You know, the gospel does. There's only one division, one division that we can find as a result of the gospel. It's a single division, and the Bible illustrates it numerous ways. Here it is. Lost, found. Slave to sin, forgiven of sin. Sheep, goats. There's a lot, lot of different ways that the Bible will illustrate it. That's the only division that the gospel makes. You're either born again or you're not. That's the gospel division. That's the only division. And the hope is what? That all would come to know Christ as their Savior. Why? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. So let's consider the attitude of the disciples. What did they do? We forbade him because he does not follow with us. What did they do? Not just, not just we know why, because they, they didn't belong to that group, but what did they do? What was their action? They forbade him. They told him, you're not going to do this. They shut him down. They stopped him from ministering to other people in the name of Jesus because this man was not in their group. You know what the disciples were guilty of? This is first century cancel culture right there in the Bible. There it is. Cancel culture was in first century. The, that's what they were doing, right? You don't belong in our group. You don't think like us. You don't act like us. And because you don't think and act like us and you're not following our little bit of group, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shut you down. We're going to put a stop to you. We're going we're to end you. It's cancel culture. If you're not in our group, we're going to do everything to shut you down. And that's what they did. So what, how do we think about all that? How should we think about that? Because it's easy for us to go, oh, I can't believe those disciples, right? <laughs> but how about us? Do you have prejudices in your heart that prevent you from sharing the gospel with those that might not be in your particular group? So what do you think Jesus then is going to do about that attitude? I mean, if that's the attitude that the disciples have, what should we expect? What, how is Jesus going to address it? He's going to correct it. He's going to, he's going to put them in, a, in an environment, in a situation where that's going to be challenged. 
where the, he's going to say, listen, you got the wrong attitude where you forbade this guy from ministering. He's not against us. He, he, is, he is doing the right thing. Jesus is even telling him he was fine. And you stopped him. You shut him down. So what happens? He's going to correct it in the disciples. And guess what? Jesus needs to correct that same prejudices, the same prejudices in our heart. He's got to correct it there as well. So naturally, where does he head? Keep in mind, he's headed to Jerusalem. So where's he going to go? Samaria. Samaria. Who do the Jews hate? Samaritans. Who do the Samaritans hate? The Jews. And so where is Jesus going to take the disciples to teach them a lesson about how to not be so uh, tribalistic and so cliquish and so isolated that they overlook how, how important it is that the gospel goes to every nation, people, tribe, and tongue? So they're heading down. They're on their way to Jerusalem. And they're going to correct, Jesus is going to correct this, this mentality, this attitude.